Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. Well, today we're going to be picking back up in our series called You Asked For It. And over uh, this entire summer, we're going to be tackling some tough topics that some people often have questions about and that some people ask me about, maybe you've thought about, but you've never really wanted to ask it. Well, we're kind of tackling those tough issues from everything from politics uh, to sexuality. And today uh, we're going to cover one that's actually been a topic that's been brought up to me probably... Uh, In the last probably two weeks, I've met with three different people about this topic right here on the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to tackle this topic. People often comment about how they enjoy the practicality of the teaching that we have here at Adventure Church. We strive to teach you things that when you walk out of here on a Sunday morning, you can go, I can apply this to my life. I I can understand God's word. I can apply it. I can use it to make my life better. That's our goal for you every week. And so today is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more on the teachy side of things as we dig into this topic of the Holy Spirit. And really, I don't have enough time in 30, 35 minutes to really dig super deep into this topic, and so my goal here is to help you understand it the best way that I can. So if I can be honest with you, I don't completely understand the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? As your pastor to say, I don't always get it. And I'm a young pastor, and I'm still learning, and I'm still growing. And this week, in this message, I've spent more time in preparation and prayer than any message I've spoken in my entire life. Because I really want you to understand this in a way, one, that doesn't like spook you and kind of freak you out to where it's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? But to where you really understand what God has for you and the power that can have for his life. But as humans, we want to figure God out, don't we? We want to figure him out. We want to know everything. We want to understand his plan. We'd like God just to kind of reveal the mystery of our lives to him. You know, how many, who, who am I going to marry if you haven't married yet? You know, what are my kids going to look like? Where are we going to live? You know, what kind of job am I going to have? Like, we want to figure God out. We want to figure his plan out. But how many of you know it's not our job to figure God out? As believers, as followers of him, it's not our job to figure God out. Our job is just to trust him. To take his word for what it is, to apply it to our life the best way that we can, and to obey him. It's not our job to figure God out. And if you try to figure God out, you're going to be trying for a long, long time. Because you can't. Our minds, the way that we are, we cannot comprehend an infinite being who lives in heaven, who was and is and is to come, who's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the very beginning of time. He will be the end of time. There is no one else like him. He created the entire universe. If you look at the scope of our planet in the midst of this entire galaxy and universes, and if you try to get your mind around how big that is, we can't because our minds are are not like God's. In fact, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, God says this through his prophet. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could Imagine, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher 
than your thoughts. And so today, listen, I'm not trying to uh, teach you in a way where you can figure this thing out on the Holy Spirit, because you can't. But I'm going to try to apply the truth that we find in Scripture the best way that I can to help you understand it a little better, but not to figure it all out. You know, every church has a doctrine, a set of beliefs that kind of guide their teaching, that kind of guide their theology. And so as a church, we have a doctrine that we have. But here's the thing. I'm not here today to say that our doctrine is better than anyone else's. There are some very, very smart theologians and biblical scholars who are way beyond me in their level of experience and knowledge and understanding of the Scripture who have debated this topic of the Holy Spirit for decades and decades and haven't really come to an agreement to say, hey, I think we got this all figured out. We got this understand. So today, I'm not trying to uh, say that, that our doctrine is, is the best way or the only way. I'm just saying that as our interpretation of the scripture, this is the best way that we understand it and apply it to how we lead in our church. And so this is the other thing. We may disagree on our doctrine, but that doesn't affect your standing and your value at our church. So you may hear some things today on the Holy Spirit. You go, man, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or the way that I was raised or the way that I was taught or the way that I understand. You may not necessarily agree with it. And I would tell you this, it's okay. That's okay. It doesn't affect your involvement here. It doesn't affect the way we view you. It doesn't affect your status here. And I don't see that there's any cause for this topic to bring disunity in our church. So, the, and the, the best way I can explain this is, is, do you agree with everyone in your family? <laughs> I heard some chuckles, right? I mean, let's get even real personal. Do you agree with your spouse on 100% of things? Absolutely not, right? I, mean, I, was, I was joking last night. Like, Jess and I do not agree on the way that, that we like to sleep at night, Right? Jess likes it a certain way, a certain temperature, a certain fan on a certain speed with a certain blanket, you know? Like, we cannot come to an agreement on those kind of things, right? And so, but, but, but do I still, you know, sleep next to her? Yes, you know. We just agree to disagree on some of those kind of things. And in your family, right? Like, we just have to agree to disagree. You still love them. You still do life together with them. And this topic today, I promise you, not all of you are going to necessarily agree with everything that I say, but I hope that it doesn't affect the way you view our church, the way you are involved here. We can agree to disagree and still love each other. In fact, denominations are divided. So you have Baptists, you have Methodists, you have uh, Church of Christ, you have all these different denominations. And denominations are roughly divided by about 1% of Scripture. So there's these, these gray areas in Scripture where we go, man, I'm, I, I can't, it's, it's debatable. You could go this way with it, you could go this way with it, and why God left it that way and, and left it kind of this ambiguous kind of thing, I don't really understand why God did. I, sometimes I wish, God, why didn't you just say that, that we were right or that the Baptists were right? Like, why, why is there this great debate on it? And again, it's not our job to understand, right? It's not our job to figure it all out. Our job is to interpret the best way that we can. And so our goal today and our goal as a church is never to focus on what divides us, that 1% of Scripture, but we want to focus on what unites us. 
the things that we do agree on, the things that do unify us in the body. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he is the Son of God, that he is the way to heaven, that he is truth, that his word is for us, that he died, that he rose again, that he ascended to heaven, and because of that, we can have life, and we can have the promise of eternity in him. Almost every church agrees on that thing right there. So that's what we focus on. In fact, we can find in Scripture what the Holy Spirit, though, tells us what, what the job of the Holy Spirit is. Maybe you've heard this. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Trinity. So even in that, it's hard to wrap our mind around it, that it's a Godhead. There's three, and they function in one together. So God the Father, Jesus the Son. So God was in heaven. He sent Jesus. Jesus lived. He ascended to heaven, and he promised to send his Holy Spirit to come and to be a part of our lives, to guide us into all truth the Bible says. So they're together in one. They function together. And so the Holy Spirit's job in the Trinity is, first of all, is this, that he convicts us of our sin. The Bible actually says, we'll talk about this a little bit in John, that it's the Holy Spirit that even draws us into salvation. That when we make a commitment to Christ to say, God, I'm going to commit my life to you, that it's the Holy Spirit that enables that commitment to happen. That he draws us, he convicts us. I don't know if you can remember your experience exactly, but I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord, and I could feel it in my heart. Like I could sense, like my heart was pounding. I knew that I needed God to come into my life. I knew that I needed him to save me. That, that even as a 14-year-old kid, that man, I was, I was a sinner, and I needed God to change my life. And, and I could sense the Holy Spirit in me at that moment. And when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. But secondly, the Bible says that, that he will baptize us with his Holy Spirit to give us power to be his witnesses, where he gives us the boldness and the courage to live out his word. And we're going to really dive into that part of it today. But the third thing that the Holy Spirit does is he teaches and guides us to fulfill the plan that God has for our life. Have you ever been in a setting, maybe even here at Adventure Church, where you left the service and you were like, Dude, I don't know if Kyle was stalking me on Facebook, if he reads my mail. I don't know what was going on, but it was like you were speaking. People will come up to me and go, you were speaking right to me today. Like, I don't even understand it. Like, how did you know that I was struggling? How did you know that that's where I was at in my life? I go, I have no idea. I have no clue. I have no uh, powers to, to, to dive into your mind and figure out what's going on. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And so as God's word goes forth, the Holy Spirit will communicate it to you in a way that will affect and impact your life right where you're at. He teaches us. He guides us. They also, the Holy Spirit, says that he comforts us when we need him. That as believers, there's times where, man, we're in, we're in dark places. We're in tough situations and trials that we're facing. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can bring peace that passes all understanding into your life. And you'll see someone in the midst of a storm. I remember when we went through what we went through with our daughter when she had open heart surgery. And people would go, I don't understand how you have such peace. I would say there's really no way to understand it. That's why the Bible says it's peace that passes understanding. That even in the midst of a tragic situation, a loss, a death, a, a sickness, a, a relationship that's gone bad. That God, the Holy Spirit, can come into your life and minister to you in a way that only he can. In fact, in the Greek, the Holy Spirit actually means paraclete is how you would say it in the Greek, and it means to come alongside. 
that in our life we know that life is tough, that we're running this race, that it's fast-paced sometimes and we feel like we can barely keep up. And the way I look at the Holy Spirit sometimes is he's like that in those marathon riders or the Tour de France where they come alongside of that runner, they come alongside that biker and they cheer him on and they say, you can do it, you can keep going, and that's what the Holy Spirit can do for our life. And so that's a, a very basic uh, you know, overview of, of what the Holy Spirit can actually do. And we're going to dive in a little bit more to the doctrine side of things and what we believe as a church and how the Holy Spirit can impact and really empower your life. And so the doctrine of the Holy Spirit really comes from three chapters in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. The Apostle Paul gives us most of our doctrine on the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at the scripture today. And today, again, is going to be a little more teachy, which is really hard for me. Some of you are like, you're not really teachy, right? That's why I put this chair up here, because if I sit down, I feel like I don't preach as hard. I can really concentrate better. And I really want you to understand this the best way possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth. He says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So right here he's saying that the, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the common good of the body. They're to edify the body. They're to help one another. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, gives the the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to, to interpret what is being said. It is one, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And so the debate between churches that about the Holy Spirit, the, the controversy that's there, isn't whether or not these gifts actually happened. That in the book of Acts, we're going to read a little bit further in Acts, where we see the gifts in operation. So the debate isn't whether or not these things happen. The debate is, is if it is still for today because apostle paul goes on in first corinthians 13 and he says that that when the perfect comes the gifts will cease and so some interpret that again he's not very clear on what the perfect is some people interpret the perfect as the word of god so when the word of god comes the gifts will cease we'll no longer need these things because we'll have the complete word of god we however don't believe that we believe that the perfect is when jesus will come back that he is the perfect one, and when he comes back and the saints are raptured to heaven to be with him forever, then we will no longer need the empowerment of the Spirit to help us live the life that God has called us to live. So that's not, the debate isn't whether or not these things actually happen. They're in God's Word. The debate among denominations is whether or not they should still happen today. And we believe that they're relevant for today because we believe that the same power that God gave the apostles to start the church is the same power that we need to be the church today. I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes living out this plan, living according to God's Word, and I need all the help that I can get. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife. She'll tell you, I need 
the power of God, to be effective for Christ. Why would, why would the apostles who actually got to live with Jesus and to learn from him directly need those gifts and not us today? I think we would probably need it more than them. And I don't understand why God would include it in his word and kind of dangle this empowerment in front of us and says, yeah, I've called you to live this life. I've got a, you know, the, the scripture that, that guides and teaches you. And it's, some of these things are tough to really live out in this carnal world that we live in, the culture we live in. It's tough to live for God. And so why would God say, man, I provided this for you and it's right there, but yeah, you can't have it. We don't believe that way. We believe that God wants to empower us He wants to give us the good gifts that his spirit can provide for us. Paul goes on to say in Corinthians 13 this. He says, if I could speak in all the languages of earth and angels. So uh, an earthly language, which there's many of them, as you know. And then he says in the the heavenly language, that there's a, a language that we can't comprehend. So if I could speak in the languages of earth and of angels, heavenly language, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I did not love others, I would have gained nothing. So in 12, he's talking to the church at Corinth, and what's happening here is that they're kind of abusing these gifts. They're taking them out of context they're overdoing it. People are speaking in unknown languages, and it's like a chaotic service where everyone's trying to kind of use the gift that God has given them. And so he explains to them what the gifts are and how they function. And then he says this, look, and if, if you have all these gifts and you can do all these things in the name of God, and he gives you this special power, but if you don't have love, the basic of all things that we find in Christ, he says, it's pointless. It's useless. You have nothing. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says this. He says, so let love be your highest goal. So not the gifts that he just explained. He says, don't let that be your highest goal. Don't let that be what your focus is on. He says, let love be the highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives you. So he says, there has to be balance here. And so our focus shouldn't be on the gifts. In the debate that comes along with it, whether we're right or someone else is wrong, our focus should be on love. And at Adventure Church, that's what our focus is on. There's people in our community who don't know the love of God. Maybe some of you here today, you've never fully experienced the reality of knowing God and His love and plan for your life. And so that's what we focus on. That's where we put the emphasis. That's where we put the exclamation point because we believe, just like Apostle Paul said, that that should be our highest goal. Loving God with all we have, loving one another in this body, and and serving one another, and being there for one another. That's why we have our life groups, and, and doing life with one another. Loving each other in that way, and then loving people who are outside of our community, who are outside the plan of God, to love them, to show them who God is. So now, with all that said, I want to share with you our view on the empowerment of the Spirit as a church. I don't want to give, again, this false impression that I have figured all of this out because I haven't. I, I can't grasp and fully understand but uh, how the Holy Spirit works. I'm still learning, and I've been challenged this week greatly, even on some views and some probably warped perceptions that I've had on the Holy Spirit throughout my experiences growing up 
in kind of a spirit-empowered or spirit-filled church. And so today I want to try to give you as few points, a few points as basic as I can to help you again understand it, but not to figure it all out. So are you ready? So that, that was just the intro, man. That was, that was just the intro. So are you ready? Here we go. And, and these, will, these will go a little bit first, first. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of it, we believe this, first of all, is that it's an experience that follows salvation. I've had a few people come to me and they go, so for me to be saved, do I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and operating in these gifts the way Paul describes to be saved? No, you do not. No, you do not. The Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from your salvation experience. In Acts 8, chapter 8, verses 14 through 18, again, the book of Acts is just the Acts of the apostles. This is the early church. We're seeing the Holy Spirit function, the gifts of the Spirit function. It says this, when the apostles uh, in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. So what does that mean right there? They accepted the message of God. They believed in it. They sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. So they had already believed, and then they sent them and said, we want to pray for you that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon those believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So it's an experience that follows salvation. For some people, it happens uh, right away. For some others, it, it takes years. My roommate in college was seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, what we would say baptism in the Holy Spirit, and he sought it for a very long time and never received it. And again, I don't understand why that's the way it works, but I just understand from my experience that's the way it happens, that it is a separate experience from salvation, and you do not need to be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit the way the Bible is saying here to experience the grace and the forgiveness and the love of God. Again, John 6, says it's the Spirit of God that draws us to repentance. So we receive the Holy Spirit, the, the conviction power of the Holy Spirit, the guiding power of the Holy Spirit when we get saved, but then there is another experience that we can have with the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural experience where we are filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to a greater level. So, in the book of Acts, we can find the experienced effects of the Holy Spirit. The experience that follows salvation, this is what we find. And this is all throughout the book of Acts. There's some scripture references for you on the screen. I don't have time to read all of them today, but you can, you can look those up later. The notes are in your phone, or we can get you a copy if you'd like. So the experience effects of the Holy Spirit in Acts, first is this. So this, these are the signs that they had been empowered with the Spirit. At Pentecost, there was speaking in tongues and praising the mighty works of God and to the power to witness. But when the Peter was, the, 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 Jesus leaves, he ascends to heaven, he promises his Holy Spirit, and he tells the apostles, there was 120 of them, along with the disciples, to wait for the Holy Spirit before they went out to start the church and the mission that he had given them. So they're waiting in the upper room, seeking for the Holy Spirit, and they are filled, the Holy Spirit comes, and it says that they spoke in other tongues and unknown languages to them. So that happened in the, was, that's an experience effect. We know that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit when that happens. Second thing, in Samaria, there was something so obvious in the experience that Simon saw it and was amazed and wanted to, lay his, wanted to buy the power that it took. So again, these, the, the scripture we just read in verse 8 
So Peter lays his hands on these people. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a guy who's standing by watching. And he goes, oh my goodness. Look what just happened. Look at the power that you guys had that when they filled the Holy Spirit, he says, how much will that cost me? And they rebuked him for it. They said, this isn't something you can buy, bro. You know, this is something that you have to receive. But the power was so evident when it happened that he said, man, I want some of that. I want to have that experience in my life. In Caesarea, the house of Cornelius, there was, again, speaking in tongues and praising God. In Ephesus, where Paul found the disciples of John the Baptist, there, again, was speaking in tongues and prophesying when they received the Holy Spirit. At Paul's conversion, there was extraordinary boldness and empowering to be a witness for God. And then in Acts 5.32, Luke goes on to say that God gave them the Holy Spirit to everyone who is obeying him. So the Holy Spirit gives us the ability and a, a supernatural ability to obey God and obedience is a mark of his presence. So on the day of Pentecost, again, this is where we find the scripture, Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. They, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. And so we can see here that everyone who was seeking was already saved. So they had already experienced salvation. They had already believed in Jesus. And then all of them received the Holy Spirit at a separate experience. So it's not just this one all, you know, I accept Christ and because of my belief in him, that, that we can just receive the empowerment, that it is a separate experience that follows salvation. The second thing of the, that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is this, that the purpose of it is for power. The purpose of it is for power. It says, Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Again, Jesus was promising this to his apostles. He said, and, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Acts 8.18, when Simon saw, again, that the apostles had laid their hands on them, that he said, I want some of that power. I need, that, I need access to that same power in my life. I always loved Peter when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus told Peter that he was going to be the foundation that he was going to build his church on, right? And so Peter receives the Holy Spirit. These people are watching. The, the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in the languages of these people who were coming into town to celebrate Pentecost, the, the party that was about to happen. And so they, 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 and they understand the gospel, and Peter gets up and explains what happens preaches with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people immediately respond to God and give their lives to Him. Like, that's pretty powerful. You know, I've been trying to do that for a long time. It hasn't happened yet. You know, that I could just get in front of the crowd at the 4th of July and just be so empowered through the Spirit of God that people, one, would listen, two, would respond and surrender their life to God. That was a, a powerful thing that happened. Peter goes on where people, people who aren't from God, again, the purpose of, is power to, to evangelize, to share the gospel, to live out the faith that God has put in your heart. And so Peter goes on in, in Acts, and it says that, that they recognized that it said Peter was filled with the Spirit, that he was empowered by the Spirit, and that people recognized that they were just ordinary men, and that, 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 that's pretty, you know, Peter, they're like, hey, just an ordinary guy just like me, 
but yet they could tell that he was filled with the Holy Spirit because of the power that he preached the gospel in. And so I think some of us are turned off by the phrase Pentecostal or Spirit-empowered or Spirit-filled. And and some of it's because of your experience with it. Maybe you visited a Spirit-empowered church before and it was, you know, kind of a chaotic situation that Paul was addressing to the church in Corinth. I know in the culture, in the church that I've grown up in, I've seen some weird stuff, right? Can I just be honest with you? Can I just shoot straight with you today? Like, hey, it's Adventure Church. We're a new church. You know, some of you, you may not like it, and it's okay. There's a lot of other churches. We don't apologize for who we are, what we believe. But just being honest with you, like, I've seen some weird stuff where people are doing weird stuff. But I can't just kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And as a church, it's been challenging for me as a pastor to go, how how do we embrace this for the truth that it is without it getting crazy, without attracting the crazy people? Because that's the thing. The Holy Spirit, but here's it. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not. And then you go, Kyle, how do you know? Because I've experienced it in a very genuine and authentic way, and hopefully you don't think I'm weird. Because if you did, you probably wouldn't be here still, right? If it's your first time today, the, 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 you know, the verdict's still out. But you'll make a decision on whether you're going to come back. But I don't feel like I'm weird. And, and I've experienced the empowerment of the Spirit that has been very life-changing for me that has empowered me through situations that, that I normally couldn't have got through. And so the church culture that I grew up in and some of the things that I've seen have tempted me just to go, it would just be easier not to deal with it. It would be easier to kind of, kind of eh, let's just push it to the side and not fully address these things. But because of my own personal experience and because I've experienced an authentic way, I think it's necessary to try to guide and teach the best we can for you to experience the power that is offered through the Holy Spirit without becoming weird and chaotic and crazy. Because that's what some cultures have adapted to. And we've seen the, mis- uh, the, the, the abuse of the power that the Holy Spirit can give. And again, the, the Holy Spirit's job is for the common good of the people. And I've been in environments where the only reason the person was operating in one of the gifts that Paul described in in chapter 12 was because they wanted the spotlight to be on them. And there was nothing genuine about it. There was nothing that edified the body about it. And it got out of control. And so we as a church, and, and myself as the pastor, have to discern those things, have to uh, gently walk through these things and try to teach you the best way that I can. And so the purpose of it is always for power. It's not for the individual. It's not to bring attention to yourself. It's to empower you to be the witness that God has called you to be. But, so we understand that it's an experience that follows salvation, that the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is a supernatural one that empowers you to be the witness that God has called you to be. So why are so many people, in my opinion, kind of like afraid of it because let's just be honest we're afraid of the unknown right when you're a kid you know 
You're afraid of the dark because it's, there's unknown things that can happen. You're afraid of the noises. For me, it was the basement, you know. It was a dark and dingy place. And there was people down there that I didn't want to mess with, right? Because it was, it was unknown to me. I didn't want to go there. And so the supernatural can kind of can mess with us a little bit because it's, it's unknown. Like, what are you saying? So God does something supernatural in my life that, that I can't fully understand that I can't really figure out, and that I really can't control, necessarily. And it's like, yes, <laughs> that's it. And so, it, so we can reject it, we can push it away because of the unknowns that come along with it. But I'm telling you today that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not weird. You won't go into some kind of, you know, state of mind that, you know, you can't, it, it doesn't happen that way. God is the God of order. God is a God of, uh, of doing things in a way that will benefit you and benefit those around you. But with all of that said, I think some people push it aside in order for you to have this experience that we see in the book of Acts. To experience that, you have to be open to receive it. You have to be open to receive it. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts earnestly desire these gifts. In order to find, right, you have to what? Seek. Seek and you shall find. God is very polite, if you haven't figured that out. God doesn't go anywhere. He's not wanted. God will not make you do anything. Never. He gives you the free will. He gives you the choice to obey His Word, to to heed the instruction of the Holy Spirit in your life. We've all been there, right? We, we pictured a lot of times in, in Hollywood, they put an angel on one shoulder, right? The devil on one shoulder, and it's like, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the, the flesh and your desires. And, and it's like this constant war that we have to decide to choose to listen to this one, to listen to the Holy Spirit and obey it. God gives us the choice. He's not going to make you do anything. And so Paul's saying here is that these gifts are available for you, but you have to be open to receive those gifts. In Luke 5, this is Jesus talking. He said, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your father's you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? A lot of times we hear that scripture and they stop, depending on what church you go to. They stop. But Jesus is saying that the heavenly father, the good father, the sinless one desires to give you these gifts. Why? Because there's powerful things that happen for the purpose that he has for your life and the plan that he has for your life. But if you're not open to receive something from God, you're never going to receive it, right? It's a, I love the illustration that they call it a gift. Have you ever gotten a gift from someone and it was wrapped up real nice and it was put in front of you? It's for you. Your name's on it. It was left on your doorstep, right? But what do you have to do? You got to get the box, right? 
You've got to unwrap the box. You have to open it up. You have to take the gift out. You have to apply it to your life. You have to use it. So a gift is useless if you just keep it in the box. We have to be open to receive that gift. And I believe, and the band's going to come, we're closing out. I believe that everyone, from the example given in Scripture throughout the book of Acts, can receive the Holy Spirit if they are willing and if they are open to it. Everyone can. The Bible says that God is, is not a man that he should be mocked, that we reap what we sow, and then he says that, that, that we do not, that he doesn't discriminate. In, 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 the, in this context, the, Samarit- the Samaritans were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone who was coming in contact with the apostles was being filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life that God had called them to live. But if you're not open to receive, you won't receive. And so that's the challenge that we have. The challenge is that we have to ask ourselves the question, one, have we had this experience? For some of you in a moment, we're going to give the invitation for you to respond to salvation. If you've never given your life fully to Christ and experienced his forgiveness and surrendered your heart to him, that you'll have that opportunity. But if you have done that, then you have to ask yourself the question, have I received the Holy Spirit? In Acts 19, 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul traveled through these regions and he was on the coast of Ephesus and he found several believers there, people who had experienced Christ. And he asked them the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we haven't. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And we talked about that in the first week of of baptism, that John the Baptist was baptizing people, preparing the way for Jesus. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. It says there were about 12 men in all. So the question that Paul asked these men, and the same question I believe that the Spirit would ask you today, is that if you've believed, then have you received the promise of the Holy Spirit? And we believe at Adventure Church that this is available to everyone. And it's not just this um, experience that happens at salvation, that we make a decision and we kind of infer the Holy Spirit kind of by default. We don't believe that. We believe that it's something that's supernatural, that is described throughout the book of Acts that we experience following our salvation. And so the question that I would ask you today is have you received the Holy Spirit to be empowered to live the life that God has called you to live? I need Him. I need the Holy Spirit man, do I need him. There's times, there's days that are better than others, but I need his empowerment to be the man of God that he's called me to be, to be the husband that he's called me to be, to be the dad that he's called me to be. And so today, I'm not asking you to speak in tongues. I'm not asking you to prophesy or get crazy or pull out a flag and start running around. That's not what I'm asking you about today. I'm just asking you 
to say this one thing to the Lord. Whether you've experienced it or not, is just to say, God, I'm open to whatever you have for me. Whatever it is. Whatever you have for me, God, to be who you've called me to be. Jesus, I'm open. For some of you, depending on your background, maybe you've been like this for years with the Holy Spirit. Arms crossed like, dude, not happening to me. I'm not healing anyone. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm not doing anything like that. That's not for me. I'm not saying it has to look a certain way for you. All I'm saying is, is that in order for that to happen, we have to unfold our arms. We have to open our heart to God. We have to push through our pride. We have to push through our fear of the unknown and say, God, I'm open to whatever you have for me so that I can be empowered to be effective 